You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 12 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can, whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level. I am Sarah. I'm Rob. And we are still not really updating much. We still have the Patreon. It's up. We'd love you to join us. It'd help us out. Uh, definitely would keep uh, going through. And for those of you who, uh, who currently support us, we thank you. Absolutely. Uh, we are still dealing with the Listen Live thing. So if you're using the app and listening to us live, we appreciate that. Uh, hopefully we'll get some update on it. We know that there are problems with the secondary engineering staff who's working on it. But uh, Podcast Detroit is being diligent. And if you are wondering what the hell we're talking about, you can get the Podcast Detroit app on both the uh, iTunes App Store and uh, Google Play Store. Mm-hmm. Uh, and listen to us live at 7 p.m. Studio 4. That's right. That's right. So. Wednesday nights. Yeah. That's important. Yeah. Wednesday nights. Because if this is <laughs> recorded forgot that. and you're, you're catching this, it's Wednesday nights. So, uh, Sarah. So, Rob. Yeah. We have a topic. We do have a topic. A topic that we kind of planned, sort of. It's almost like we're getting used to this podcasting thing, and uh, sometimes we have plans. Strangely enough, at the end of this podcast, we're going to have this discussion again, and it felt weird that we came up with the next story, it, the next uh, podcast idea as quickly did. as we did. It did. I, I think uh, that the whole topic thing, uh, we we just need to just idly shoot the breeze a little more between uh, – because these topics work their way. we don't do it enough here. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but here we're recording. Here we're on script. You That's know? true. It's, well, uh, no, be careful with that word because we are not on script. We're close. We're okay. on guide. It's more okay. of a guideline. It's more <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's get to this thing. So you had thrown out the idea that we should start talking about uh, classes and point systems and dice and all the things role playing on the like core level, not even system level, but core level. Yeah, I think it was actually a suggestion from uh, our listener, the Mad Elf. Um, oh, that really crazy kinda, guy! That crazy guy. Uh, I mean, he's he's not the sane elf. He's you know, <laughs> he is definitely not the sane elf. Uh, so. He he was actually kind of this one that broached this topic, and it was actually something that I was kind of gearing up for myself. So when I saw that topic come up on our Discord, I was like, yes, that is a thing that is happening. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, and we kind of – even just hashing through this over the last couple of days, I think we came up with some rather startling things that I think neither of us really – until we started talking about it really – came to a head on oh yeah yeah you start deep diving um, a topic like this and you start finding all sorts of neat little nuances in various gaming systems across the board yeah which led us to our, our actual next week's topic as well so we'll get to that though um but let's actually start with like class because a lot of people talk about class or class classifications depending on how you do it i mean obviously D uses the term class mm-hmm. you know when they're talking about fighters and they're talking about clerics and they're talking about rogues and you know slight variations like rangers and druids and things like that you you've got your hard imagery of what a class is but i threw at you when we were talking about that that 
White Wolf has classes. Right. So, I mean, it, it kind of approaches the bigger topic of, like, what actually is a class? See, I still think it's – it is a definition that conforms a character to a set of abilities mm-hmm. or actionable abilities, action items that they right. can do. So, you I mean, even if you're playing a tabletop game. Like literally Milton Bradley style thing. Sure, sure. Okay, like you a know, board game. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like a classic board game or without a board, you know, where it's like a card game or something. There are still classifications that you might have in those types of games. And there were sure. some early 80s games that did that too. I think we talked about Hero Quest, and there was another – okay, I'm going to throw this out there for the Discord, so this will tell me who's listening. <laughs> there was a game that came out I want to say in the 80s or early 90s. That was not Hero Quest, or may have been named something clear close to it, where you literally ha- – where an individual player, like a barbarian or a mage or like a r- wizard or something like that, and you worked your way around the board and then up a tower, I think, to fight a dragon. And if you can figure this out, I may give you like some cool status on the Discord. So – and by the way, Overwatch, I'm taking you off of this one because I know you're going to think about it instantaneously. Um so, uh, oh, I'm calling goodness. him out on that one because I know he's gonna he's gonna be like, it's this. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably already on the Discord. I, he, he's, you know, he's gonna he's gonna message me individually. He's gonna say, I still have to get my thing. So, right, right, but right. The, even games like that where you had a character, it was a class. Actually, it was a set of actions that you were allowed to do that the other players not necessarily couldn't do, or but maybe weren't as good at, and you mm-hmm. were better at. You know, and that's kind of carried through in a lot of different game systems in general. Regardless of what your classification or role playing is, it falls within a system and says this is a class. Sure, sure. Uh, and and I think there's there's other there's other ways of looking at classes too. Like mm-hmm. uh, we were speaking a little bit about uh, Mouse Guard. Yeah. And yes. now Mouse Guard has different roles within the patrol that you're going to take, such yes. as like a patrol leader. Yeah. Or a guard mouse. Yeah. Or the newly recruited Tenderpaw. I love that name. I, 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 it's adorable. So adorable. It's adorable. So adorable. I spent like five minutes just squeeing about that. <laughs> um, but uh, but even those those kind of define what your role within the uh, within the group is going to be. It's mm-hmm. going to define a lot about what abilities you're going to be able to start with and such like that. So does does something even like that designate a class? I mean, it doesn't say whether you're wielding a sword or whether you're wielding magic or technology or whatever. Right. Um, but, you know, it does define rigidly something about your character, how you can build them and what role you'll be playing. So, you know, does something that, that, that bears that, is that truly classless? I, I still think it's, I think it's a kind of class, but I think it's different because again, you're not, I mean, all the players are still going to have actions that they can do, but it does give you a certain benefit mm-hmm. or increases your ability over someone else possibly at doing something. Sure. So I think that definitely has that. And then you had talked about pure classless. Absolutely. Like classless, Dread yes. is another one or, or, or WRM or even GURPS where like you can literally be – Anything, right? It's now, open ended. I do want to classify. I do want to want to qualify. I'm sorry, qualify what I mean by like fate and GURPS mm-hmm. being classless, and right. that is, if you're literally just point building, like mm-hmm. straight out of the book, yeah, they're classless. But right. both fate and GURPS have like templates or archetypes yeah. that you can follow, where it's not necessarily a character class. It's a pre build, but the, yeah, but it's a pre build. It's like okay, so if you're if you are going to play a wizard. You need to spend these 10 points 
to pick up abilities A, B, C, and D. Right. Otherwise, you're just not playing a wizard. Right. You know? I mean, you're playing something different. You're playing something different. You might be playing like a a, a hedge mage or something like that that's, right. that doesn't have full magical ability. But if you want to call yourself a wizard, you must buy A, B, C, and D. Right. But I, I, I put that along the same lines as like um, – It's more of a shopping list than a class. Thank you. That's yeah. what exactly I was thinking is that it's a pre-build that someone else has done and mm-hmm. basically said, hey – I like the idea of a wizard and this is the direction you need to go to be the best of this. Right. Like, hey, right. if I want to be the best fire mage or fire wielder in a video game, traditionally I go to the web and find a pre-built. Right, right, right. And they tell me every point I need to buy to become a min-max character mm-hmm. to get to that. That's all that is. It's a shopping list. Sure. So all right. Let's talk a little bit about the pros and cons of classes. Is that because the Mad Elf asked us to? <laughs> Well, no, but I think it's I think it's a it's a good discussion to have. No, also. it is. I um, think it is it, because because we 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 do we do throw a lot of these terms around and stuff at like that, right? But, and there's some you know very obvious things, but there's not some not so obvious things that that creep up in class based systems or classless systems. So okay, so let's start with class because that's what we know. Let's right. move to the unknown. That right. and I will say it is also the more broadly recognized. Regardless of whether or not you realize you're playing in a classed game. Yeah. And that is is that it it is a great place to start for people who are not good at the ladder, and I will say the ladder being role play, mm-hmm. and they want to get into a system. Having a structured system helps with that. Now, that's funny to say that, that like as a child, when you're playing just in the theater of the mind's eye – the whole idea of creating conformity kind of, oh, that's a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Like everybody should be as free as they want to be. But at the same time, like as we as we evolve as humans, this kind of structure helps us. It gives us a framework to work from and beyond. Oh, no, I'm, I'm 100 percent on board with that. Like um, just, just from a, like a video gaming standpoint, yeah. uh, I really dislike open world games hmm. because, uh, you know, well, what, what can you do? Anything. Yeah. OK, where do I start? Anywhere. Yeah. Welcome to Minecraft. That doesn't Don't tell die. me anything. <laughs> Don't you know? die. Yeah. It doesn't give me a goal. I just just point me in a direction. Anywhere. No. Stop. No, stop. You, you know. It's it's too open. It's too broad. So yeah, classes yeah. give you a little bit of structure of like okay, so you're playing a fighter. Okay, I I now know I am you know someone who is stalwart, mm-hmm. someone who wields typically melee weapons, mm-hmm. though that may change. Yep. Um, you know, but physical combat is, is essentially going to be my bailiwick. Correct. I mean, whether I'm Conan the Barbarian mm-hmm. or I'm a French, you know, rapier artist who can be who just does one on one on one duels all his life. Sure. Both of those are fighters, but we you have an image and a direction to go with. Exactly. It doesn't conform the story, but it conforms that, and that does help a lot to put you in the seat of the story next. Now, one of the other the other big advantages of having a class predefined for you is that. Typically, all of the abilities that come forth in that class are going to have some form of synergy with one another. Yes. Um, so you're not going to have that random jack-of-all-trades build coming out of a fighter because you're going to be getting things that enhance your ability to hit you know, hit, hit, hit faster, uh, hit more often, hit harder, take more hits yourself. You know, These are all going to be things you're going to get out of a class because it's all driving you towards that one goal of being right. that thing. Right, right. And I think to a degree, depending on the system, you also have synergies with other classes because there are definite game systems that lend themselves to having you build a fighter, Mm -hmm. cleric, 
mage system. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. kind of a thing. And knowing what other people can do, I mean, definitely helps. I mean, I'm going to jump here again to a digital realm. People play Overwatch. Oh, yeah. And you don't just throw out their random characters. There's mm-hmm. specific builds that help you go in a specific direction. And so in a class system, which that is 100% without question a class system, you know, you're talking about that design that helps people play better. Sure. Because they can they can focus on the mechanics. And once you've got the mechanics down of how your character works, you can then very easily step into the more challenging realms of how do I counter things? Mm-hmm. How do I know how to handle things? And then how do I enjoy this more? How do I take it to the next level? Yeah, absolutely. So. Absolutely. So all right. What are some what are some what are some cons of having a class based system then? I would definitely say that the limitations. I think that's the biggest thing that comes to people is, you know, hey, I'm a barbarian, mm-hmm. right? And I have rage and stuff, but what if I want to learn magic? Like, what if I want to throw something else in that? Well, no, no, no. Barbarians yeah. hate magic. Like, how, what? That doesn't make sense. So just like, because I wrote barbarian on my on my on my thing, now I hate magic. Exactly. Like, that's, you know. You know, or or oh, I'm I'm a rogue, right? But. I'm a rogue of the wild. No, no, no. That that means you're a ranger. No, I'm I'm a rogue, but I I don't go in cities. Mm-hmm. Well, then you're not a rogue. Like, wait, whoa, whoa, time out. Come on, you can't tell me I can't do this. You right, know what? Right. What? It, it doesn't work that way. Um, so I would say that pigeonholing or those stereotyping makes it very challenging to then. If you've got an idea for a build, now mm-hmm. you have to change your mind about the background or something else. It it forces your kind of design there. And I think some classes and some systems definitely make it even more challenging. They really pigeonhole you down. Oh, they, they really do, yeah. So that, that you don't get a choice to break away from that. So, you know. And then you, you would, I think, and mode it in here, uh, multi-classing. Yeah, and then that just yeah. adds a whole layer of craziness to it. Sure, and especially especially if you're you're not one of those number crunchy people. Mm-hmm. Um, like I almost never multiclass I, if I've got a chance to, just simply because I don't want to do the damn bookkeeping for it. Yes, you know that's exactly how I felt about it the first time I did it, and I was like, why would I do this? Oh, the numbers are so much better because you can do this and this and this together. Right, and it's like. Seems like that's a lot of work, mm-hmm. and I kind of am playing a game here. Yeah, you know, am yeah. I really against the system? Like, is that the type of game I'm playing here? Is I'm playing against the system? And in all honesty, there are times when you have a storyteller, and it's you versus the storyteller. Oh, it, and there I is. There is. understand that that is and not a game like, I like. We all like to feel powerful and stuff like that, but there's a certain yeah. point at which you're just fudging numbers to power game. That's just right. You know, I I don't. I don't I don't necessarily have any time or patience for that. So. I agree. All right, let's move on here. All right, classless systems. Give me some pros. Uh, well, in a classless system, uh, you've definitely got uh, the freedom to build your character how you want. I mean, that's the biggest. Yeah. Honestly, the the, the biggest and, and chiefest pro of a classless system. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that you have no constraint. So if you do want to build that weird like um, intelligent computer hacker who's a crack shot with a pistol. Mm-hmm. You can do that. Yep. You know, uh, in the the it's it's more re- it's always been more realistic to me. Like classes to me have almost not made sense. I'm going to ask you a silly question and sure. just throw it in there. Sure. You ever played a game that's a con- where where a storyteller looks at you and says, "Oh, it's a contemporary player contemporary game. You're playing yourself." 
Yes. Yeah, we're going to talk about it. I love that sigh. Yep. Everybody, almost every storyteller I've ever played who've had that sigh has done it and has had a feeling about it after that point. We don't have to get into it. I don't want to play myself. I play myself every day. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. I think that's all its own thing. We're going to get to that. But all right, I let's, just, let's move on. <laughs> but real life isn't classes. You're right. And I think exactly. that makes it very challenging then to make a good character that fits life. Yeah. So I mean, in in real life, I have a bunch of diverse skills. Mm-hmm. There's things I'm good at. There's things I'm I'm not so great at, and stuff like that. But they're kind of you know across the board. There's nothing that really makes me a fighter or a druid or something so focused in that sort of heroic archetype like that. And I mean, it it fits a certain play mm-hmm. or a certain game style. Mm-hmm. But you know, I think if you've got more of a I think maybe more of a social, less of a hack and slashy, dungeon crawly sort of thing. You know, I don't know that that sort of that sort of gameplay fits anymore with classes. Right. So I would say that going toward the cons of that then is that for new players, people who've never played a game, stepping into a system that doesn't have a rule mm-hmm. or a guideline, and I say rule as in like a ruler, something you can move along, yep. or or a tree of some kind of development. Looking at someone saying, "Well, just, just, you know, what do you want to do? I, I don't, I don't know. Well, well, what do you? Well, what's good? What's good? I, I, I don't know. Well, what do you need for a system? And then you're like, no, no, no. I, I want you to enjoy this, right? Right. Well, what do you need? Mm-hmm. Like that's one of the worst things to say. Like I'm a storyteller. I don't need anything. I want you to enjoy my story. Yeah, yeah. But what do you? Well, like what would be good for the system? Because I don't know. You know, right? It's like, right. No, no, no. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to build the game around my players. Like, oh, I don't know. Right. You know make no. make a, make a well-rounded character. Well, how do I do that? Exactly. Where do I put my points exactly. to do that? Like, <laughs> exactly. Or worse yet, you get the one player who literally knows every errata and side book and thing like that, and they literally make some monstrous thing that is ridiculous that takes you as a storyteller, like reading for 16 hours to figure out what the one trick pony that they've got. Like, and then they come into game with this weird ability. You know, I I have psychic farts. Like, what are those? Like, well, it's in this book off of this shelf of this thing, and it was uh, it was an erotic. You know, no, 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 yep. you don't. Had it had it happen in a game. Yep, had it happen in a game. It psychic was a ga- farts. Wow. No, no, well, not psychic farts, but it was it was a game you were you were in. I'm not going to name names. Obviously, okay, that's fair. But, that's uh, fair. There was a a character in the game who uh, stacked his uh, his points in a certain particular way, and uh-huh. I looked at it, and just on the surface, it looked okay. Sure. Like, okay, you know. But the way that the system used the points in the places he spent, it turned him not only into an unhittable acrobat, but a combat twink on top of that. So he could just kill anything. And literally he dropped like five points on his character sheet and now was like – he won every encounter. Mm -hmm. You know, and it was like, oh, okay, I didn't – I'm not a power gamer, so I don't think like that. So when I looked at your character sheet, I didn't think like, yeah. oh, this is just the only the, the one trick you're going to do with this with this with this character is just, right, right. you know. But it can it's lead to situ- it can lead to situations like that because you have you know at least if you've got classes, you know what to expect out of a level seven warrior. Right. Because you can look in the cl- in the in, in the book and say this is what a level seven warrior can do. But and I think yeah, that kind of puts its own perspective on like how as a storyteller do you challenge your players like dnd has a challenge rating mm-hmm. like how do you figure out what's challenging then besides putting them through trials and then gauging everything beyond that point yeah 
Yeah. And a lot of that has to do with, with the expectations you've got set in the game as well, you know. Um, Back to being a good storyteller. Well, one, one of the one of the other the other problems I've run into in classless systems mm-hmm. is you have a, a, a diverse group. Mm-hmm. And that's that's great mm-hmm. because in a lot of ways you can you can throw a lot of different types of plots at them. But if you as the, as the storyteller throw, say, a combat encounter at the talky character and the social character – and and the one combat character. Right. There's only one person really involved in that fight. Well, maybe. It depends on how you throw it and it depends on how they play it. It's that's true. And every system's a little different and some systems you have to play the scenes different. I mean, if you're going to run a a classless system like that mm-hmm. and throw it into a D&D style scene, where it's like you walk into the room, there are five kobolds in the room with arrows pointed at you. It's a classless system. One of your characters is literally a talky. The other one's a thinky and the last one's a fighty. Mm-hmm. Yes, those two of those characters are going to sit on their thumbs the entire time that the fighty's doing <laughs> the his thing. The politician, the news reporter, and the beefy bodyguard walk yes. into the room. Yeah. Exactly. But at the same time, if you have that scene enacted differently mm-hmm. where you have your, your talky – Having to talk their way out of it, you know, a la, you know, a, a femme fatale, you know, they're not going to be in a combat sequence the same way. Right. And right. the scene has to evolve in a different direction. But I think, like you said, you have to go in with it with a certain expectation in your mind and you have to know what your players want mm-hmm. so that those two things can mesh. Because obviously if the players want to have a conversation-based game, you've got to go to your combat person and be like, okay, right, right. you know, words are a way of combat. Or you're going to be bored a lot of this game, which is not really what I want to do to you. So, well, I th- I think yeah, I, I think that's really getting to the crux of the issue. There is you need to you need to approach your encounters in a way that befits your game, especially in a classless game where your archetypes are going to be spread out like that. Yes. like we were talking a little bit last night, mm-hmm. um, you know, about how this might play out in adventure. Yeah, exactly. You know, and. Uh, that you're not going to be able to just throw a group combat encounter at a mixed group like that. No. Where the combat encounter is really there for Seamus Finnegan. Right. The you boxer. Know, the boxer. Yes. Right. And Seamus Finnegan, you're going to, the storyteller is going to throw that, 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 that group of, of, you know, nameless extras at you. Right. And you're going to punch all six of them because you're the boxer. Right. And you're going to have a really great time in that scene. Beating your way through the through the villain's hideout to try to rescue the captured Gracie Demure, mm-hmm. and when you get there, Gracie's scene now is that she is already out of her bindings, and the person who's been interrogating her is lying unconscious in the corner, covered in lipstick. And she doesn't want to talk about it. And explains to you that the lipstick she had was a powerful sedative. There you go. And that her perfume was in fact the antidote to it. Correct. You know, and that's those kind of things. And each each step of mm-hmm. it is something unique. Exactly. She gets her scene befitting her skill set. You get your scene befitting yours. But it, but they all kind of arc together into one big thing. Right. You can't put Gracie Demure out there to fight the five goons any more than you can put Seamus Finnegan in that chair to try to you know get him get his way out of the interrogator. A good. It just hit me. A good thing is watching. Something like the new Sherlock Holmes movies because there's a scene uh, I think in the first one mm-hmm. where uh, 
uh, Holmes and Watson are had just broken into a lab space where things are going on, and then in come the two thugs, and they bring a giant, effectively. Sure. And, you know, he's just like, you. I take the meat, you take the potatoes. <laughs> and you can tell, like, they're both fighters, but not to that level. Uh-huh. And he's dodging and doing things, but it comes down to two very different combat mm-hmm. styles. And then later you get other things thrown into that because you get a character who is not a combatant who's doing combat-like things, but they're done at a different spin. Mm -hmm. And those are the types of movies that help storytellers look at a scene and dissect it and say, how can I make this work? Mm -hmm. And then – dissect it down from there yeah and i think those are the kinds of things that really help in those types of and the one thing that i want to come back to is you said um you have to know how to run the system mm-hmm. and i think the step behind that is when your players look at you and say yeah yeah, yeah i want to run a i'd love a superheroes game okay Let's superheroes talk. are tight Super, exactly and uh yeah mostly in spandex um but uh <laughs> the whole the whole piece of that is you have to then figure out which system do you want to run? Right. Because right. that's more important is, is saying, okay, some systems, like probably for a group that wanted to do superheroes and a lot of combat, go to TMNT. Mm-hmm. It's a great system for that. You can do crazy stuff in that system, including superheroes. Yep. Whereas Aberrant is a very obscure kind of it's 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 a lot less super like Marvel superheroes and a lot more like the the TV show heroes. Yeah, or, or the like X-Men cartoon. Ordinary people suddenly sprout superpowers. What does the world do with them? Let's actually take a good look at that. You and know? most of it is about their interaction with mm-hmm. the world and not the combat right. and not the other pieces. Those are definite aspects. But the sequences where combat does happen, the sequences where their powers come out mm-hmm. are, are a moment mm-hmm. in time. They're not everyday things that are going to occur. You're going to see snapshots in time. Yep, so. absolutely. Yeah. All right, so let's let's move on to we discussed uh, classes mm-hmm. in and out. Let's discuss levels. Oh yeah, that is interesting because we talked when we were talking about this like level systems. Level systems. My first thought was like, well, I mean, like I gain levels. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's easy then for you to say I have five fifth level characters. That means that, you know, I can throw a rating of a five at them. Sure. You know, and that's easy then it to figure it out. It puts a numerical quantity on the power level of everybody around yes. you. Yeah. And it makes it easy. It makes it, I should say, it removes an obstacle in discovery for a game mm-hmm. for that storyteller to try and figure out. And and honestly, the, the levels in systems is – I would almost say like – ubiquitous at this point, almost synonymous with tabletop RPGs, just simply because it's D&D was really the, you know, the the game that kind of set the stage for the whole the whole tabletop role playing thing. And it's always had levels. So Mm -hmm. I think it's it's because it's so ingrained. And then uh, video games largely latched on to the D&D pen and paper RPG style stuff mm-hmm. and adopted levels along with it. I gain powers as I gain levels. Exactly. Yeah. And it, it because because things like experience points were easy to quantify in a in a in a video game setting, mm-hmm. you know, you assign a point value to a monster, you defeat those monsters, you gain points, you gain levels. With levels, you gain power. Yeah. It's pretty easy to to to, to think of. So right. you know, when when people think of of role playing games, you almost you almost immediately think of class based, level based systems like this. But at the same time, mm-hmm. does that 
does that experience make sense? And I think that's the con. <laughs> Not even remotely. No, no, it doesn't. I think mm-hmm. it's definitely more like movie experience where, you know, some Joe Blow at the beginning of the movie is nothing. And then literally an hour later, which in the movie terms may have been I don't know, a day, mm-hmm. maybe two of actual action. They're suddenly a god at driving and can shoot bad guys, you know? Right, it's right, right. Like, like uh, what was it? The, uh, the, the, the Curving Bullets movie. Oh, Wanted. Yeah, like that yeah. movie right there. Like how long did he train to be, be able to curve bullets? And the way they explained it was he had this ability from his genetics. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, that's great. Like I've – Samurai still need to train even though their father was a samurai and their father's father was a samurai. Yeah, right, they, they, right. they might have some Jedi behind it, but come yeah. on. There's a little bit of the source material they were dipping into there, but that's a whole separate discussion. We'll I have, agree. Yeah. But at the same time, like that's the th- the thing. And, and and I think in like you said, in video games, we have this unrealistic timeline in our head mm-hmm. for how long it takes for us to grow. Right. Like and I only have an hour to play, but if I beat that boss over there, like that's that's two solid levels for me. You know? But at like, the same time like i'm sorry i would ask a world of warcraft player how long did it take you to go from zero to 60 and they're gonna be like well like two weeks how many hours of gameplay in those two weeks Mm -hmm. well i don't know maybe like 120 hours okay if you played 120 hours of D &D, okay (laughs) (laughs) that's that's fair that's fair (laughs) So, I mean, I think that's the thing about level-based systems is that we have this idea that leveling should come at a certain pace mm-hmm. or after certain encounters. And I think that that could get kind of awkward for a storyteller to figure out. Oh, yeah, yeah. Definitely definitely gets awkward. So, like, in, in my game um, specifically, uh, like, you've got the option in D&D 5th Ed of uh, doing what they call milestone mm-hmm. uh, advancement. And I immediately, like, I, I'm not – Dealing with experience points. Right. I'm not dealing with any of that. And uh, mostly because, first off, I, I like the level up as a dramatic beat. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I think if you're going to stair step your, your power and suddenly literally sprout new powers overnight, mm-hmm. I want that to be at a dramatically appropriate point in the story. Mm-hmm. So therefore, I want to be able to dictate it. Not, not just, not just, okay, well, you guys killed some random bandit and, oh, hey, look at that. Yep, woke up in the morning and now I can backstab like a son of a gun. Uh huh. Um, but the other thing too is that you end up with um, weird stair steps in power at weird times. Yes. Um, because we don't always have the luxury of ending our games because they might run late. You've got to stop at eight p.m. like ours does. Yeah. You know, um, we've got a we've got a hard stop at eight p.m. Mm-hmm. We're like it doesn't matter. Like we're we're just we call it right mm-hmm. there. Yep. Whether it's dramatically appropriate or not. Right. And say that was the middle of a combat encounter. You know, okay, so you guys are walking down the hall and now suddenly you're out, you're up a level. Hey, you know, between between the door and the door on the other side of the room, you learned how to summon a demon. It was an awesome, awesome walk. Right. Right. I so, know Kung Fu. <laughs> Uh, so, I mean, I, I, I don't particularly care for levels to begin with, but, uh, yeah, experience points get really kind of make for some weird levels like that. So I kind of, I really like the milestone XP, uh, uh, to, to, to represent that. I'm sure we'll have some interesting discussions about it coming out in the discord. So. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in fact, I think one of our, one of our questions was asked, um, 
something to the effect of uh, uh, rolling up characters and you know how we yeah. do like point point based or you know I've got some opinions about that too. Oh so. yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure. Uh, so dice and diceless. Yeah, like you had the note in there, and I'm like diceless. Do you I re- know some diceless games. Do you remember the first time you heard about a diceless game? I did. Uh, what was but, your reaction? Um, I'm willing to bet it was the same as mine. Uh, so here's how the discussion about my first diceless game came up. Okay. It was brought up to me this way. I was like, okay, so how does this work? They're like, well, when we were figuring out, we basically had an argument while playing D and D and the argument went like this. Well, I'm making my character and it said I can only attack once per round and a round is supposed to be like what? Five or five to seven seconds. I can swing a sword a lot faster in five to seven seconds of one, and I'm not a fighter. And so a couple of people went outside with some sticks and figured out how many times they could swing, and they pretty much figured they were all between fifth and seventh level characters, mm-hmm. you know, based on how many actual attacks they could get in versus just flailing. And thus a LARP was born. <laughs> Literally, they wrote a book and produced a LARP, and Kanar became a thing. Oh, oh okay. That's, that's so what I thought this the was. Yeah. First, the first uh, diceless game that I played was a LARP. Uh-huh. And I didn't think of it as diceless until later. Yeah. I really didn't – it didn't ever even came to my mind that it was a diceless game, that the randomizing was basically people tripping, falling, or, you know, missing a spell back at Three and Throne. Sure. You know? Sure. So that, that kind of concept – then stretched on, I heard about things like Amber, mm-hmm. um, which I avoided because I heard about them, you know. <laughs> and then you told me about uh, Fate, the uh, Fate system. Oh, well, uh, fate, Fate's not diceless. Well, yeah. Fate's, fate's alternate dice. We'll get, yeah, we'll get it's, there. It's alternate, but, yeah. But Dread. Dread, Dread is, yes. Dread is, Dread is diceless. diceless. Yes, yes. And, you know, there's other games that are, I would say, close. What about you? Uh, yeah, when – I mean, I, I think I was so mired in the idea that – dice were a role-playing game mm-hmm. you know that when when somebody said oh yeah it's this, this other game system and it's completely diceless like my mind just blanked like so we're acting yeah right i was like what so you just how does that you can't just what <laughs> it's conversation around a coffee table right, right. is that what we're doing and, here am i am i diceless rping right now like i mean in theory yes i mean i guess in theory yeah um but uh, you know, as we kind of we're kind of going over this topic a little bit too, you know, the the idea of dice versus diceless also kind of seemed about as blurry as class versus classless because you start mm. getting these weird in between ones where it's like, yeah, sure, it doesn't use dice, but it still uses some form of random chance generator. Yeah, um, and so you end up with games like uh, actually one of my first systems, uh, the very first diceless system I ever played was Dragonlance Fifth Age. Okay. Uh, ran a whole campaign on it. Wow! Uh, because it was my homebrew campaign, I didn't actually run it as Dragonlands. Okay. And uh, I liked the class. Uh, I liked the fact that it was classless. It was levelless. It was uh, was it levelless? I think it was classless, but I don't think it was levelless. I don't. I don't remember much about it. Uh, it came with its own deck of cards. Ooh! And there were eight suits in the deck. Okay. Um each corresponding to one of the eight attributes. Mm-hmm. No, I'm sorry, there was nine suits cuz dragons was the the additional ninth suit. Okay. Um and so it was this like thick 90 card deck. Mm-hmm. And uh there were 1 through 10 
of each of these suits. And so depending on what level you were, you would have a hand of cards. Mm-hmm. Those would also act as your hit points, hmm. which meant that uh, as you got hit, uh, your your combat ability would diminish because you would have to drop cards out of your hand. Mm-hmm. So you'd have less resources to spend. Right. Which was an interesting mechanic to me because in a lot of games up to that point that I played, until you hit zero hit points, you were exactly as effective as full hit points. Yes. There was no diminishment, you know, for, for damage or anything like okay. that. Um, and then uh, basically when, you know, to, to do ability checks, you would just play a card out of your hand. Right. If it was, say, a perception check, the suit for perception was orbs. Mm-hmm. And so if you played an orb, you would – uh, it, that was that was what was considered trump for that suit, like success. And so, not only would you get the your attribute plus the card you played, but since you played a trump, you flip the top card on the deck and uh-huh. add that. And if that was an orb, you mm-hmm. flip again, right? And essentially, until you stop flipping, mm-hmm. and then whatever your total is has to exceed a target number. Hmm. Okay. Uh, and that was pretty much how all the gameplay was. Right Interesting. There. Okay. You just okay. you just you just learned Dragon's Dragon's Fifth Age. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, but again, no dice, just cards. So yeah. Very special deck of cards. Okay. Okay. Um, there's also uh, Into the Breach, which is based off of uh, Weird Games Malifaux. Oh, I remember hearing about that, and like people were really like, did, "Whatever happened to that?" Uh, I I don't know. Did, didn't it just like fall apart because of like internal problems? No, I mean I think Malifaux's still around. Okay. Like, you're still doing things? I just don't think it's in our sphere right now. Oh, okay. Okay. Fair enough. Because um, it looked neat. Like, the world looked neat. Oh, it's amazing for, like, a steampunk contemporary magic sort of... Yeah. Uh, it's 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 a really Western. great... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, very, very cool world. Yeah. yeah. Um, but actually played to the deck of 52 cards. Yeah. Yeah. I remembered, like, they were talking about releasing decks, like, custom decks and all kinds mm-hmm. of stuff for it. So it was neat. Um, and, uh, Deadlands. I never got to play Deadlands, but oh, I read, I, I got, the I had weird the book. West. Yeah. I had, uh, like the books from a friend and I looked them over mm-hmm. and I was like, this is weird. Yeah. Like it was just different. It was very different. It game's absolutely my jam. I just, uh, we just never had anybody in our group that, that ran it. So, yeah. yeah. So, so, all right. So pros and cons. I think Diceless can definitely have certain pros to it because it can make for a different randomization that isn't random so much as it is a a controlled burn mm-hmm. if you will so like a, the jenga tower as a mechanic is a controlled burn you you you're watching it but again it's creating tension mm-hmm. which is what it's designed to do whereas like a deck in in a a, a poker game style card game that is also a role playing game like you were describing, there's a certain amount of diminishing returns and tactics. Yeah, yeah. So you're still playing a game within it. Even mm-hmm. if you're not role-playing, you're playing a game. And I think that's the neat thing about Diceless Games is that the when you look at those types of games, it's really a, just a different type of board game mm-hmm. or table game. And then role-playing is a package thrown on top of that. Yeah, absolutely. So – yeah, and I, I again, I think that some of those systems are very, very valuable in the pro sense because you can do a lot of role playing with some very simple mechanics mm-hmm. that that get get you to where you need to be. I mean, ultimately, the the only reason we use dice or really anything else like that is just to stop 
what we used to play, you know, cops and robbers mm-hmm. out in our backyard and, you know, like, bang, bang, I shot you. No, you didn't. Well, I'm immune to bullets. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just that's all we're doing. Mm-hmm. That's that's all we're doing is we're just playing cops and robbers like we did when we were kids. But we've got to have some rules, some structure. Yeah. That says, okay, are you really immune to bullets? Did you buy that ability? Right. Do you, or don't you get that until next level? Yeah. And then, you know, of the bang, bang, I shot you. No, you didn't. Well, I don't know. What, what do the dice say? What yeah. do the cards say? Yeah. You know? Exactly. Exactly. So I think no matter how you look at it, whether it's dice or diceless or class or classless or level-based, mm-hmm. you're really coming down to systems with between you and the players to come up with what's going to fit best right? for the right. story that you want to tell. And I think for any storyteller who has the idea of a story first and system second, that that system is exceptionally important uh, in determining how your players want to play that story. Exactly. So. Exactly. That wasn't right. bad. No, I think uh, I think we're good. Uh, do you, I mean, you got any closing thoughts on the matter of well, dice uh, classes levels? I think I will carry those over till our next week topic discussion at the end of this. But let's hit some questions first. All right, sure. we do have some decent ones. Technolich has hit us with two this week, so we'll we'll space those out because you know he's fun at giving us things. Uh huh. So we'll 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 give him the first one here because it was the it came in after the last session. So. He says, I tend to cobble together and pull resources from various sources when I run games. Is there a rule mechanic or conceptual framework that is that is part of a system you no longer play yet still exists in your current practice? If so, what is it and how do you incorporate it? I'm going to blow your mind because I figured one out. Oh, did you? And okay. I bet you do it too. Okay. Go ahead. How many people when they're role playing and going through a scene – Go around the table left to right asking questions. I don't know that I go necessarily left to right. Or right to left. But you're right. Yeah, I do tend to go in order around. What is that from? What system does that come from? Because it doesn't come from D&D. I mean it just seems like board games. Like poker. Yeah. It's – it's a classic system mechanic that carries it through and we just do it. Yeah. I think that is something. Another thing, mm-hmm. rolling dice. We all seem to have the same thing in our mind of I roll dice on a table. If it falls off the table or it's at an angle, we re-roll yep. Yep. because it doesn't count. Those types of rules came to us from board games, old systems, because it was meant to be more fair. Yeah, you're not wrong. You're not and wrong. so those are definitely – even base concepts that have carried over from mm-hmm. those systems that we just take for granted. We don't think about it. We just put them in. Because when we were talking about this, we were like, I don't know what I carry over from old I don't think I carry anything from an old system. I actually, actually I believe it or not, I, I've, I just thought of one. <laughs> I actually just thought I of a convention from a different game that I carried on with me. What's that? Seventh C. Okay. Taught us. Yes. That henchmen do not kill heroes. <laughs> that is true. Villains kill, kill heroes. heroes. Lieutenants <laughs> might take one captive Correct. or seriously wound and leave to die for a dramatic uh, recovery later. Correct. Correct. Um, but uh, there's no such rule in Dungeons and Dragons or anything like that. No. But uh, I absolutely go off of that rule. I think it's important. I, I loved that when they threw that into 7th C and it was mm-hmm. very obvious that this is a heroic game. 
your heroes are going to win at some level and then they're not going to die by standing off against, you know, the Rushaloo guards. Mm-hmm. You know, there's going to be an epic fight. They're going to get stabbed. One of them might get unconscious. And when they're unconscious, they're going to get shackled up. And while they're shackled up, I mean, that's the whole thing. Like, the three amigos, the movie. Mm-hmm. El Guapo was going to kill them. Nobody else. Nobody else was. Yeah. Right. You know, it's Batman versus the Joker. Not Batman being killed by Joker's henchman number seven. Yeah. Exactly. Bob. You know. <laughs> no. Side note. That's exactly why I don't like traps in my dungeons. Oh, man. Because you want to get killed in a heroic way. You don't want to get killed because you touched a doorknob. <laughs> Like <laughs> that is a crappy way to go. It is a crappy, that is way, a to crappy go. way to go. You know, so I, I never I never go for deadly traps. What is it? I, what is it? Never die by oops. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean there's there's a I I've got some I've got a lot of thoughts on traps. There's appropriate ways to use them, but never die that's by oops. That's a whole game uh, it's a whole story that, that on its is, own. That is a whole story on its own. Yeah. All right, so there you go, Technolich. That's that's literally the 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 story that we're gonna give you. All right, hit up another one. All right, so the Mad Elf would like to ask us, favorite level-based system and skill-based non-level system? Uh, okay, so this is kind of – it's actually kind of like three separate questions. Okay, so fa- okay. favorite level-based system and skill-based non-level system. 7C for non-level-based system. Yep. Skill-based system favorite? Well, I think that's the the, the non level like the the the, the oh, sorry, le- levelless skill based is yeah, kind of the same thing. Yeah, so seven so C for that. Yeah, and then so for a level level system. a leveled system, mm-hmm. probably D and D. Honestly, yeah. I mean, because really, that is the leveled system. Although, it's yeah, it's not leveled. Yeah, you know, when we were going over the different game systems that were level-based or level-less or stuff like that, I started realizing that leveled systems are actually in the minority. It is. It's like Shadowrun. I love the universe. I don't necessarily like the system. It's very very granular, which makes it awesome, but Mm -hmm. it's so hard to run a good one. Like you really have to embed yourself in it. Fasa Gaming was amazing at writing great worlds. Yeah. And absolutely abysmal at writing systems. Yeah. You can fight me on Twitter at st underscore conclave. <laughs> I will go to bat with every single one of you. Yeah. over that. Great, great writers. Uh-huh. Great, great content. Unbelievable stuff. So I, I, I'd, I'd fight between Seven C and Shadowrun because I just love Shadowrun's universe. But I think level based. If we're keeping it to system, because the question speci- specified system, it'd be Seven C over Shadowrun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then D and D, and I would say either three point five or five. <laughs> I'm skipping yeah. four one hundred percent. Yep. Uh, I, I'm I'm gonna go with D and D fifth edition for for level based system. Okay. Um, <sighs> levelless system. That's that's a difficult one for me because I've played a lot of them over the years. White Wolf. Um, White Wolf is up there. I don't know if it's my favorite though. Aberrant. There's, oh, adventure. There's, there's things. There's do- things I. But again, I don't know if I love the system as much. Okay. Like, I don't get me wrong. I love adventure as a game system. I love it as a game world. But I don't know that I love it as like it's. I don't know that it's my favorite. Okay, sir. Um. Okay, sir. Sir. Okay. I'm constantly fascinated by fate. Okay. You do talk about it like with a certain love and passion. I, I'm fascinated by it. I've only gotten to play it very briefly. 
I would love for somebody to run a Dresden Files game. <laughs> I did give you a terrible thing. You did. I gave you, you a terrible gift. So, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> for those of you out there listening in podcast land, I want to I want you all to know the grievous thing that Rob did. <laughs> I did. Uh, so, Jim Butcher, author of the Dresden Files book series, uh, recently announced that he is nearing completion of the fifteenth installment oh of my that. God. I know, I know, I know. Of the fifteenth installment of the Dresden Files uh, series called uh, Peace Talks, which I have and not so touched, because I want to be all caught up and know exactly where we are. I have decided to download the audiobooks for all. Yes. Of the entire Dresden Files series and I'm just listening to it in, in order and get myself all caught back up. And then – Consequently, I am super into the Dresden Files series right now. And then this guy. Right here. This guy right here hands me the rule book for Urban Shadows, which is based off of the Apocalypse World rule set. But it is a contemporary fantasy, very akin to Dresden Files, all that jazz. I did not know this. And so let me, when I tell you that my left eye is twitching right now with just the idea of getting to play this game. When she sat down at dinner and told me to F off for what I did, and she's like, you're going to run a game in this, right? I mean, it's it's a rule system that I'm intrigued with, but I'm, I'm going to have to reread it. I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to have to run this. I'm, uh, yeah, OK, OK. We had words. We, there were words. There were words. <laughs> So if you get a chance, look it up. It's it's a neat system. It's a neat levelless system, but it is classed differently. And I I highly recommend it. It's, I highly it's, recommend it. It's actually it. it's actually really beautiful. It's it's, actually yeah, really beautiful. yes, uh, artistically as well. So, but uh, but yeah, I would say I would say probably Fate, uh, specifically Dresden Files, but it's built off of of the Fate system. So okay, um, he's got two more questions in here. Yes, too. he does. Jeez, we should we should power through this one. Point based and die roll based character creation systems advantages and disadvantages. This is a discussion you and I actually had over at your oh place. Oh my god, one we night. did. Because I was talking – I think it – didn't it start with us talking about D&D? Yeah. And then I was like, well, what about Shadowrun? Because Shadowrun has a dual system as well where you – where you It's you, point-based though, isn't it? It's a kind of priority where you There's priority like... point and then there's a whole other system on top of that. Sorry, Chris. I know you know more. We're just kind of glossing this. So but yeah. It's but, at ST <laughs> underscore conclave. But seriously, like you've got <laughs> systems like that and then you've got like TMNT. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, and, and that kind of thing, which you made me laugh when you brought up PPE. And I was oh, like, yeah. holy Jesus, there's a term I haven't seen in oh, forever. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say that that's a whole discussion on its own. Character creation on its own, advantages. We could go on for hours talking about each point on this. I, I think that thought the highlight of the discussion that we had um, away from the podcast yeah. was mostly that um, I think we both came to the conclusion that rolling your stats with actual dice <laughs> is kind of rubbish. Yes. Um, because, yes. yeah, OK, you can say what you want about, oh, yeah, sometimes you end up with high scores, sometimes you end up with low scores and, you know, that that makes things fun. But for the person who rolls all low stats, who's yeah. sitting next to the person who rolled four 18s. Yeah. The game's a totally different game. Uh, it's it's a totally different game, it and sucks. it does kind of suck. So yeah. I prefer, at least like in uh, in D and D, I've been doing the standard array. Yep. Thank you, Sean. Mm-hmm. Uh, the standard array for those because you do get you get a couple high stats, but not too high. Yep. You get some a couple low stats, but not too low. Mm-hmm. You know, and you get a fair mix in between. And at that, you get to choose then where your dump stat is because you're going to have one, but it's not going to cripple your character. All right. And I think that makes a fun fun game for everybody. I, I agree with that statement and I 
I would only say that randomness should come in when its consequences are lighter or when everybody is on board with doing something ridiculous. True. Yes. 100% so. agree. Favorite non-diced role-based conflict resolution mechanic? Uh, the Jenga Tower and Dread. Easy. Uh, yeah, that's yours. Uh, hitting someone with a stick. <laughs> that is a fair answer, sir. That was and doubles as therapy. There is there is nothing so quaint as when someone breaks up your perfectly cooked dinner in the woods by saying that they are a goblin, and you picking up a giant foam stick and jamming it in their chest, saying zero, because <laughs> you aren't skilled in it. <laughs> that that's conflict, and I just resolved it. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to Technolich. Uh, what rule system makes the most sense to you? As in to say, has the rules that seem to be most intuitive? This actually, I think, during our original review of the question hit, I think, us both kind of odd because the first thing that came to my mind is I started thinking of the game systems I like and then I had to move away from that. Because mm-hmm. really the first intuitive system was, that, that really hit me was roll and keep. Yeah. Like, I roll dice. I get to keep the ones that are successes. How hard is that? Or in the case of 7C, first edition, I roll dice and just count up the total. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Like, oh, I did better than 15. I, or I did better than 5. I did better than 10. I did better than 15. This, these, this is simplistic to get to a total. And each one of those is effectively a success or I have so many successes. So roll and keep has always been something that's intuitive to me. I mean, this was a real tough one for me because yeah. I, I there, there's so many different role playing systems out there, and trying to quantify over 25 years of gaming, which ones were were the ones that made sense and yeah. clicked, you know. Second uh, edition D and D did not make sense. D- did not make sense. <laughs> did not make. It sense. took me until I was much older to really figure out what Thacko was. Oh my god. <laughs> That should be considered a banned word. It's a cursed word. Yeah. Uh, but I, honestly, like, like D and D Fifth Edition made a lot of sense to me. Sure. Um, I, I had gotten to the point with gaming in general, and specifically D and D. Right. And this is something I was kind of talking about a little bit on the Discord, where uh, I, I was very, I was very disenchanted with D and D for a long time, mm-hmm. um, because it seemed like it made things very difficult, very. Very point grindy and stuff like that. Um, and so I had gone to WRM and I was trying to build WRM up into something a little more involved, but not too much more. And I realized that uh, when, when I read the fifth edition rules for D&D, that essentially I had homebrewed fifth edition <laughs> out of WRM. Uh, and so I said, well, somebody already published this, so I might as well just use it. Um, exactly. But the, you know, roll. Roll a d20, add a number to it. Is that number high enough? Yes. Okay, you win. That that makes sense to me. Yeah, again, that's it's it's a it's a roll bonus method. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think those types of systems like I I think for me it just roll and keep was always a thing for me or mm-hmm. roll in total. Yep. So. Yeah. So there you go. There you go. Uh we got another one here. I'll let you do that one. Okay, so Knox in the Box, one of our Patreon supporters, thank mm-hmm. you. Thank you, thank you. Uh, would like to ask us from a storyteller perspective, what are some of the differences, methods, or thoughts involved in handling a double agent slash traitor slash betrayal player character or campaign? Um, 
I think we both said hard no. Hard no. <laughs> hard no. Um, Betrayal at your table means terrible things because I think friendships will end. Yeah, I mean, games this, we're not will fold. We're not playing Settlers of Catan, where you know you you made an agreement to your side of the board and they literally drive a road right through the middle of one of your settlements and now you can't do anything because they screwed you. Mm-hmm. That right there, right? That simple betrayal on a board game is enough to ruin friendships for decades. Yep. And you you want one in a campaign? Right. Now you've got a character <laughs> that you've invested lots of time and effort and emotion yeah. into over oh, yeah. role playing and yeah. getting this person involved in a story and then all of a sudden that guy across the table from you says, I stick a sword in you or I stick a sword in the prince. Right. And now suddenly all the things you thought you were working for, it's one thing if an NPC does it because you can, you've can, you got, a, you've got a, a level of separation. That NPC sure. isn't a person. Right. But the person across the table from you screwing you over like that? Yeah. Those, that will end friendships. That will end campaigns. And you're not going to want to sit next to that person. Yeah. I mean that's literally like when a TV show betrays you mm-hmm. and does something stupid. You don't want to watch the TV show, but you're going to watch it because you can watch the end of it. But you're still – you partly hate that actor. Yeah. yeah. And you don't know them, but if you did, you'd hate them more. Well, hell, take two take two game sessions ago Okay. Uh, for, for, for my game. Sure. Um, the bandits yeah. uh, step out of the wilderness and they have kids in their ranks. Oh, Lord. And one of them – I would, he shoved. He shoved him. Not, yeah, he was not, like, not, do not, your like, job. Not really rough, but you know, kind of shoving him to the front of the line, like, right. hey, get that crossbow aimed at them and earn your keep around here. Right, right. And uh, uh, your wife's character jumped yep. up out of her seat, out of the carriage, and put two arrows into him before he could land. Yep. And you, yep. the player, yep. Rob, yeah. was sitting there on the other end of the table, going, no, 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 no. Oh, okay. can we? Can can you just not? And she's like, it's already done. Yep. And, and no, that wasn't even betrayal. No. That was just her making an impulsive decision that got all of you into combat. It's true. And that created tension between it players. Did. It did. You and needed I, a moment to just I go like, hold on. Moment. And then hold on. But <laughs> and again, okay. the other players laughed. We uh-huh. all made through it and we rolled through the scene. Yeah. And it works. And the scene worked. But I would say no. But now imagine now imagine her character destroying weeks worth of gaming. Well, I remember a story that was told to me about players who destroyed the artifact that the whole game was based on. Like they got to the end oh, yeah. and like literally one character was like, so it's – it was so, so it, I think it was like a, uh, like a vase that had uh-huh. souls in it that they had to bring somewhere else. And they're like, OK, now that we've got it, we're going to do the thing. And the guy's like, yeah, I'm going to take this and put it in here and do this. And the mage just goes, I cast shatter. I'm like, what? There. And he – he rolls and they're like, what? He's like, yep, I shatter it. Fuck it, that thing. It takes 47 points of damage. And the, the DM was like uh, – and it was way more than that because it was late in the game. Mm-hmm. You know, He just destroys the thing with an empowered spell because he didn't want to deal with it. And the whole time he was complaining like about them going to get it. And so he just destroys the artifact and the story was like, oh, crap. And like everybody's like, what the heck? And he's like, I hated it. I didn't want it in the game. Let's go do something else. It's yep. like – you, so I, I'm going to straight up say betrayal is a bad idea. I think there are mechanics you can do, and we talked about this in mm-hmm. length, but we don't have the time today to go into it, where you could have someone puppet an NPC for you up to a moment that's a trigger, and then literally that player yeah. gets up and walks out the door. It, it, might, it might also, yeah, it might also be a dramatic way to exit a character from a campaign. Correct, but 
by that 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 player has to be done. Like, yeah, you're moving to California tomorrow, so your character betrays our group tonight. Yeah, and yeah, in some now way. he's the NPC villain for the second half. There you, you know? go, boom. All right, let's get one more question. We got about two minutes left. I yep, think. yep. Uh, fluff setting, world philosophy aside, is there a system that you have found that hits the sweet spot for you mechanically, or one that comes closest? Is there one that is hands down the worst? <laughs> Palladium. Did, did somebody just, oh, really? <laughs> Palladium hits some buttons for me that makes it the worst and the best all at the same time. Oh, wow. Um, I I would love to play Rifts again. I would never want to use the system. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's true. Uh, I love Shadowrun, but nine times out of ten, a DM just can't do it. It's it it it's way way too crunchy. Like you have to know what you're doing if you play it right. If you, you play it so. Real quick, you got one before we wrap this puppy up. It's hands down the worst. Um, I mean, I, I hate to just chuck Palladium under the bus, but it's the only one that's coming to mind that is yeah. like that bad. Yeah. Um, I've had some bad experiences with Shadowrun too. Fair enough. But uh, but we'll, we'll leave it at that one. I so think. next time we will be talking about storytelling style and how all of us kind of – are at it cinematic hack slash gaming is it a fun game with your friends at night or are you having a little party or production what's it gonna be so yep. we'll kind of go into detail about that all right great uh well you can find us on twitter as i've said a couple times i'm gonna start getting some fights <laughs> with some people uh at st underscore conclave you can also find us on instagram at the exact same place st underscore conclave and please join us on our discord server uh the link to our discord server is on our twitter it's our pinned tweet uh, you can also find that uh, that link to our Discord server in any of the show note descriptions on your podcast player. And thanks to our Patreon members, uh, Knox and Illy May and uh, Dave, who is joining us. So uh, thank you very much. You can always go to our Patreon, uh, Storyteller Conclave, and see what we have and give us a hand. Uh, our intro music, Beyond the Warriors by Gooey Frog, and you're now listening to Only in Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine, both found on freemusicarchive.org. We're recording at Podcast Detroit, which you can find at podcastdetroit.com or at Podcast Detroit on Twitter. Our engineer is Kate, and we love her. She did such a fine job again today and always. And thank you to our families, Vicki and Sean. You're wonderful people for letting us do this constantly. <laughs> and all of our friends out there, keep playing. Thank you.